0: Now we do, baby. to see him do well.
1: Now you just sit at home in your grandma's basement with the drawers on, typing on your damn keyboard. Shut the
0: hell up. we are pulling for from Marquel folks. All right, everybody. Welcome to a new NBA season. It's been a great couple games so far, and with the new season, Nashant, I was telling you comes new hope right like every team starts out 0-0 and, and for like teams like the Phoenix Suns they're, they they have a winning record now 1-0 might be their last time of the season they have a winning record though
1: I don't know man that team looking nice DeAndre Ayton you know people were like "Is should he be the bona fide number one he looks like a more polished version of Joel Embiid at that stage of his career
0: wow wow that that's, that's big compliments like comparing him to Joel Embiid already like he's only played one game but i did see people yeah well joel that. and beat also <laughs> s- sorry what were we gonna say
1: good i was saying joel and beat sat out the first two seasons so it's not hard to be more polished than a guy who's sitting on the bench <laughs>
0: oh, yeah and he only played 35 games before the start of last season like in total so uh, but yeah i guess today we could just talk about some rookies and then maybe hit on some of these second year players that are playing so we already talked about i mean we could continue on eight and he he looked pretty good i mean every everything that they said was his strengths coming into the draft you could already see it he had a he had a nice post up game he he shot i saw him take like some fadeaways off the post and then pick and roll wise he was nice he was like rolling to the rim which is like perfect complement for devin booker and he was doing like handoffs at the top of the key they're pretty much using him like everywhere only question was like some defensive like lapses that he had in terms of like guarding smaller players but I mean that's something he can always get better
1: at what do you think yeah i think the most impressive thing about him actually is that he wasn't afraid i think a lot of times these big men um i mean he wasn't he was deandre jordan isn't the most skilled offensive big man but he is uh an all a historical all-star and he is he is someone that should be feared by a rookie i would think but he was he went at him he was he wasn't scared and i think that that's that's a huge quality for a rookie to like not be in there and be scared especially when i mean let's be honest Aiden needs to put on some more pounds over the course of the next couple of years for him to fit into his body frame and deandre jordan looks like a monster compared to him but he still was going at him like play after play which is really impressive
0: yeah exactly and what, what i like about what the suns did was some of us criticized their signings with uh, Trevor Ariza. Like, why did they pay him $15 million? But I don't think it was a big deal because it was only for one year. And then that trade for Ryan Anderson, they sent out Marquise Chris, Brandon Knight away. Which was weird because he thought the Suns needed a point guard. But um, Ryan Anderson on the Rockets was a bad fit. But Ryan Anderson on the Suns isn't so bad when you play with Aiton. Because now you're just surrounding Aiton with all these shooters like Ariza... Anderson, Booker, and then even TJ Warren was like taking threes and making them. So I like I really like what the Suns did. I think they've been doing this youth movement and then they realized, "Alright, like eventually we're going to have to sign some veterans." So Riza and Anderson are not bad, and they still have guys like Josh Jackson off the bench. I, I kind of like what the Suns are doing.
1: I I agree. I think when you got a big man who's dominant it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Orlando teams in the late 2000s you know you got Dwight obviously Aiton is a more bona fide shooter at least from the mid-range than, than Dwight Howard ever was but just surrounding you can play in and out basketball you know like muscle the ball in and then you could pass it out and get a guy open for three and I think that's it's an old school way of balling nowadays but I think that's what Aiton needs to get comfortable he needs that floor space And He needs to have those guys where if he just passes it out, they'll hit the three for him
0: Yeah, and I think the Suns like the concerns over the point guard was kind of overblown when you have a guy like Booker Like just give the ball to him. You don't need like a traditional point guard Um, I think Booker's it's they're best when Booker's uh, Holding the ball for a lot of the time. It's just that good heat like he looked amazing that that, uh, first game
1: yeah between Booker and and I think they do have two cornerstone players that, you know, once the West gets a little bit older and these guys move into their prime, I mean, this, this could be a team that as long as it stays together, could be quite scary. And even guys like Josh Jackson, like looking, looking like they've made a lot of improvements, particularly for him in his shooting. I mean, I, I feel like he was he kind of reminded me of Justice Winslow, a good defender, very athletic always inept with shooting and he's made made, he's made a lot of progress since he's been in the NBA
0: yeah I mean a lot of people are saying it's because uh I don't know if you saw the game he got rid of his afro and they're saying that's what's making all the difference for him but I mean that's just pure internet speculation and trolls but maybe it was the afro that was holding him back
1: (laughs) could be he wasn't aerodynamic enough
0: (laughs) exactly um but I mean the team that they were facing in this game right so the Mavs they had their own star rookie Luka Doncic and he looked pretty good too the only concern for him that I saw was his conditioning I mean it seemed like this guy kind of let himself go a little bit you know number three pick in the draft and then they just he was coming off like a championships at Real Madrid they won the EuroBasket and Euro league uh he was like the MVP kind of seemed like he let himself go and obviously the Texas love in the food must be really good there I don't know if he was in the gym as much <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean that's the scary thing about all of these um, people who come from abroad, right? I mean, we we're still kind of facing the same thing with Jokic. Like, are these guys ever going to be conditioned enough, like, to be optimal in their in their abilities? The good thing for Luka is you don't you don't need to be slender, as they say it, in order to have good court vision, in order to be explosive with your first step off the ball. I mean, Paul Pierce is a great example of that. The guy was never like totally fit, but he was one of those guys who can make a move and lose his defender because his first step was so quick. And if Luca can do that and get some openings, I mean, this this guy is this guy has a lot of potential. Um, he needs to start working on his outside game, though. He, his shooting was quite off.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the best part with him is, or for that organization, is they have Dirk there, who can just kind of, you know, he's a similar European big. And probably the probably the best European big ever, Dirk. So he can, if Luca's smart, he would just keep like talking with Dirk and just learn from him, like how he transitioned to the NBA, like what does he do. Like the fact that Dirk is still playing. I mean, out like he's not playing much, or I don't even think he played the last game. But the fact that he's still in this league, I think that's just something like Luca just needs to get with Dirk and like absorb everything that he says.
1: Yeah, and then the other thing to monitor this year is trad- traditionally Rick Carlisle is really tough on his point guards. Uh, and now he's got two young ones if you consider Dennis Smith Jr. a point guard but he's got two young ones like what happens when they start facing adversity this year is Luka going to be able to take criticism from Rick Carlisle like he needs to or you know is is Dirk gonna like kind of back him up I I don't know I, I just feel like this guy is a professional he's been a professional since he was like 15 years old he could probably handle it but Rick Carlisle can also go overboard with his Expectations from a uh, from a point guard.
0: Yeah, we saw it in the past, like guys like Rondo, who just was not a great fit with Carlisle because he kind of likes to run the show, doesn't give the point guard as much freedom. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I feel like a guy with, like Luca, he's like kind of like a freelancer, like he just kind of uses his instincts and uh just wings it sometimes and that's what is special about him but I don't know if Carlisle's gonna try to re- reel that back and just like kind of conform to his system which I think would be a bad thing for Luca I think he's just a guy who has like, these special skills like his vision and feel so I think they should just let him be but I, I think it, like you said it's gonna be hard for Carlisle to give up complete freedom but it's gonna be like a compromise
1: yeah I agree and I mean, the guy he was traded for, Trey Young, who played my Knicks, uh, you know, he looked he looked quite good. I, I think he's he's really small on the court and he gets bullied pretty easily. I mean, Trey Burks was uh Trey Burke was posting him up and hitting shots, which is never good when you know your your point guard gets posted up. So we know Trey Young is gonna have a rough year defensively speaking.
0: Trey Burke is not offensive. even the biggest guy himself. <laughs>
1: Exactly. But offensively speaking, I mean, he was hitting deep threes. But more importantly than that, I think the way that Trey Young can stay sustain- sustainably in this league is he has pretty good court vision. I mean, right right from the get-go in the beginning of the game, he was getting well, the Knicks start off really crappy. But regardless, Atlanta was getting really easy buckets because Trey Young was making the right passes. And I think that's a really... Big skill that he needs to continue to harness because his dribbling is not great yet. His shooting is erratic, but the one thing he does has have is he has a good touch to his pass.
0: Yeah, and I think the good the good thing for him, or maybe it's good or bad, but Atlanta's like has no expectations this year. In fact, I'm sure they wanna they want to like lose games because they want a, another high pick and they keep building this, and they they're gonna have the Mavericks pick also next year in that from that Luca trade, Luca and Trey Young. So, I'm sure their plan is just, like, whatever, let Trey Young make his mistakes, like, there's no pressure on him to, like, perform or win games, and then next year, they're going to get another, they're going to have their own lottery pick, which will probably be a top five pick, and then they're going to hope that the Mavericks lose a bunch of games, because they're going to have that pick also.
1: Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about for him is, like, building bad habits. I mean, he's on a team where he can kind of do whatever he wants to do, but he also needs to work on efficiency in terms of his shooting he needs to avoid turnovers and I the one thing I do fear is that he's this year because there's no real competition for them and they want to lose is that he starts building bad habits he starts building habits where he's not a efficiency shooter he's not taking he's not taking great shot selections and also he's he's holding to the ball too much because he's trying to make that you know home run pass or home run shot rather than Kind of letting the game come to him, which is, I think, my biggest fear for Trey Young is: is he going to become this low-efficiency guy that never reaches his potential because he had too much freedom as a rookie and felt like he could do too much?
0: Yeah, uh, that that's that's a good point. I mean, hopefully with the back, I mean, Jeremy Lin's there as his backup, and then they have Vince. I mean, the thing is, like another thing, right? I feel like the only reason they signed uh, Vince Carter there was because, I mean, just to purely be a veteran presence, because Atlanta has, like, absolutely, like, no one else. Like, they're just so young, this team, because they've completely yeah. gotten rid of everybody from that whole Al Horford, Joe Johnson. That era is, like, completely gone, I think. Paul oh, Millsap left a couple years ago, and then even last year, they... Uh, I mean, they just traded Dennis Schroeder this off season so trey young has like the whole keys to that organization like they pretty much said all right you just do whatever you want but that could be a bad thing i mean only time will tell if that ultimately this is good for his development or not um but so yeah now I'm, I'll, I'll let you have the floor on this one dude so like the team that they face the knicks so you guys have yeah th- I, you guys have three rookies that were playing and yeah, the guy that was the most drafted, impressive one yeah, <laughs> exactly
1: most impressive one was Trier, and he's been impressive all all preseason. Um, he's a guy who is able to get in there and get his shots. Um, he just looks like he's NBA ready, at least in from in, from an offensive standpoint. He's He has great moves. He's not fearful, and he's just a guy who's got a chip on his shoulder. Something that, you know, I think Kevin Knox probably had that chip on his shoulder going into the The summer league and the preseason but it seems like he's lost a little bit of that chip on the shoulder not that he played poorly but i mean Trier was out there dunking real hard um meanwhile you know both both knox and mitchell who i think will be great moving forward you know kind of kind of struggling i think kevin knox missed like three or four shots before he made his first one and that too was like a floater and one that you know i didn't really even think was a great shot so I think shot selection for Kevin Knox is going to be huge, like we were just saying for Trey Young. I mean, this guy for this year, while KP is out, has the keys to the Knicks offense. Granted, Knicks have some other players, but Kevin Knox seems like already he's building bad habits in the sense that there's no, it doesn't seem like there is any uh, consequence for taking bad shots. I do like that David Fisdale made him come off the bench because he's like, you need to earn the starting spot, which is why I think Kevin Knox... We'll need to be careful about a so- shot selection because I don't think Fizdale is just going to let him have it because he's the most big name player on the team right now.
0: Yeah, but oh man, Knox. The thing is, like, yeah, all these mistakes or whatever. But you, and then I just remember, like, I was—I mean, I was—I started—I was watching the beginning of the game, and it, he. So he was the youngest Nick to ever play right in a game.
1: Yeah, I think he's so. he's still
0: only nineteen. That—that's—that's that's crazy. <laughs> and the commentator was saying how like you add his age and Mitchell Robinson's age, like twenty. That combined it combined thirty nine years old and there was Vince Carter on the floor who's forty one. <laughs> it's crazy how young the Knicks are. Like they just have all like Neil Aquina's also only twenty, right? So yeah, he's 20. like it's just all I mean, it's good for I mean right now, like the Knicks can't expect like all these great results, but the fact that they have like these three guys, like who are 20, 20, and nineteen and like a guy like Trier. So it's it's looking bright. But yeah, I mean Trier, I was very surprised that he went undrafted, then I read up on him and I think I was telling you, it's just that he had these problems in college, like off-the-court troubles, he was suspended for drug usage, and I think that was pretty much the only red flag, because if you watched him, you're like, alright, this guy has an NBA game, but I think it was yeah. it was off-the-court concerns that's why he went undrafted, but, I mean, it was a smart boom by the Knicks to just be like, alright, we don't have anything to lose here, like, this season, because we're not, like, KP's out, so we might as well take a chance on these guys, and one of them hits, like, then it's better for our team.
1: Well, that's pretty much their whole team right now, right? With Hazonia and Vonley. Like, everyone is just there to try to get their lottery ticket (laughs) to see which one of these sticks. Yes,
0: it's all a bunch of reclamation projects. Yeah, Vonley, uh, Moutier. uh, I mean, Moutier didn't play, but uh, Trey Burke. Like, all these former lottery picks who are getting a second chance on the Knicks.
1: (laughs) Man, we are the... After after waving Noah, we are the youngest team in the NBA, so... Wow,
0: yeah. (laughs) So just waving Noah himself. (laughs) It's crazy. Um what the other rookie i wanted to hit up on was uh like bagley um yeah. on Kings, it's only been one game but dude i think they sacramento i think they messed up this pick not because of what bagley is but i think of what they already have and it just seems like they what they needed wasn't another athletic big i think they overthought thought it and they should have just take in at too i don't know why they took bagley Cause they already I was watching them and they already have guys like Holly Stein and Harry Giles who are just basically athletic bigs and can't shoot and then it just I was like you watch them and it's like why did they need Bagley they could have easily taken Doncic.
1: It's, it's pretty painful because they have all these guys that just clog up the pain and even De'Aaron Fox who's worked on his jumper like he's his jumper is quite shaky um, and I mean, Bagley had a couple of nice back, like back to the basket moves. And I think Bagley, because he plays so big and isn't the greatest shooter, he's gonna be a guy, like we were talking about Ayton, about who's really gonna need to put on some muscle because he can't do those strong post moves that maybe Zebo can do because he, he doesn't have the strength to do that against NBA players yet. He was able to do it easily in college because he's athle- more athletic than anyone else out there. But now he needs to really just both work on his footwork but more importantly, get get some strength so he can back people down. Yeah. I think his, Sorry. he's going to be a guy who's going to have a disappointing rookie year, in my opinion, but I don't think that that's going to be telling the whole story. Um, I think he's a guy that his future can be bright, but his future can't be decided based on this year.
0: Yeah, that's a perfect way of saying it. And I think he has all the talent, but if we saw him in college, like I watched a bunch of Duke games that his biggest plot positive you would say was pretty much his energy and his second jump where he would be he would miss a shot and then he would get an offensive rebound and then sometimes he would even miss it but then his second jump on that rebound was like better than anybody else's and that I don't know how well that's gonna translate in the NBA with like better athletes. Not that it can, but it's just gonna be harder. And I think we've seen that Sacramento hasn't been the greatest spot to develop their young players um we'll see now with their new like they hired David Yeager last year so maybe he'll make a difference but it just doesn't seem like the right fit on this team for Bagley
1: yeah yeah and I think just like Bagley um and you know another guy moving on to some second year players you know De'Aaron Fox he's made tremendous improvement in his offensive game between last year and this year but He's just a guy who I feel like doesn't fit into the NBA this day and age with the skill set. I mean, he has a, he's young. He has a lot of improvement to go. But, I mean, he's got pretty good ball handling. He's really quick. But he's... Unless you have a jumper, no one's going to respect you. And I think that that's what's happening to him. Everyone is just sagging off of him, daring him to make a shot.
0: Yeah. Um, it, the thing is, like, we, I saw him in preseason make some threes. But then... Uh, we always say this, right? Like the preseasons, to, it's not the regular or the regular season. Like it's people don't try as hard in the preseason, so those open shots you're getting, they're not going to be there anymore. And he, it's kind of like Bagley, right? Like his one elite skill, like in college, was his speed and like finishing at the rim. And then in the NBA, it just it's just you realize like the caliber of athletes in college to between college and the NBA is so different that that speed that he had doesn't. Make as big of a difference in the NBA because, like, there's just like everybody is like the best of the players in college.
1: <laughs> yeah, Sacramento's got a logjam of yeah, young guys. I, yeah, that's and the thing. I like, think, like, I really I don't... don't know
0: what Sacramento's doing. Like, I just look at their team and I'm like, they just like make take it's like almost like building a fantasy team. Like, they just take like a bunch of players and they're like, all right, let's throw them together. Like, their starting lineup is Fox, Buddy Heal, Yogi Farrell. I don't know why Yogi Farrell's starting <laughs> and like. Zebo and Willie Cauley-Stein, like, it, they they don't seem to, like, commit themselves to one thing. And then they have all these different random guys coming off the bench, like, Justin Jackson, Giles, Bagley, who I feel like, like, none of them are, like, complimenting each other. They're just, like, all right, like, they, they're building a fantasy team. That's what it looks like in Sacramento.
1: And Not a good fantasy team either, like my fantasy football team.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that's another story. <laughs> but... And you know what's the suckiest part? Now that the Sacramento's so bad, like it's gonna—it pisses me off every time that they're—they don't even own their pick, and their pick this year is gonna go to either to Philly or Boston. So if it—if it's number one overall, it goes to Philly, and then anything else, it goes to Boston. So those teams are basically gonna add like one of these top players in the draft next year. So and Sacramento—they can't even do anything. They, it doesn't make sense for them to tank. But they're not even good enough that they can't win games either.
1: Yeah, they're they they need some identity. Um, I don't know if Dave Yeager is going to be the ultimate solution or if you know how good franchises need a good owner. And unfortunately, the Kings don't have good owner, which means that they don't have good representation from their front office with Vladi Divac, obviously showing who what his draft board is like. Um, <laughs> And, and and because they don't have identity from their from their ownership and from their front front office, they don't have identity in their in their players. Like none of these guys are are building on their weaknesses. I feel like they, they're they're doing their best, but they just don't have they don't have the support. And when you're young, that's what you need. You need support. That's why you get the veteran guys out there. You get maybe like, you know, you send them off to some elite camp over the summer make them make them work hard, but I just feel like they, they don't know what they're doing out there. <laughs>
0: yeah, it seems like there's no investment in player development in Sacramento, like they, and it's been that for so long. So it's it's just sad, like seeing so many talents go to waste when they go to Sacramento. It's just just courtesy by them getting drafted there.
1: I know. Um, I, I do want to talk about a couple more second-year players um you know we, we can quickly talk about donovan mitchell and tatum who i, I think tatum is a bona fide hall of famer ah,
0: man dude another thing i hate that he's on the Celtics <laughs> it's just like you watch him and you're like oh my god like this guy has everything already like he he has like that mid range pull up that like Kobe used to do he posts up and he can do that fade away he makes threes and then you just look at him and he's like a modern day wing so he's perfect like when and he's coached by brad Stevens, so like you know he knows how to play like defense and he like there's no weakness in his game like last year you thought his dribbling was a little bit of a weakness but seems like he's like really worked on that because like courtesy of working with kobe over the offseason
1: yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy that i think he ended up in the best situation that he could have because his biggest knock coming out of college was his defense people didn't think he had the intensity on the defensive side People knew he was going to have a great offensive game, but he he very much reminds me of what Carmelo Anthony could have been if he ever cared about defense. As in, he's got all the offensive talent that you need, but Tatum can play good. He may not be the greatest individual defender, but he's a great team defender and, and being in the Brad Stevens system really makes him shine. I mean, I think he's I think he's already the best player on that team and I really respect Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, but... He's remarkable man
0: yeah you hit it on the dot i was just thinking that too about how if you put carmelo in a system like that in earlier in his career i think he could have gone to different heights i think no one just ever challenged carmelo to play defense none of his coaches and they just didn't put the right group of veterans around him like he didn't get chauncey Phillips till like much later in his career and that was the one year that he took the nugget to the western conference finals but before yeah. that he was just never put in the right system because Carmelo's offensive game was just as polished and refined as Tatum's when he first came in. Because I think, like, like Carmelo's offensive game was definitely better than LeBron's when they were both rookies. But, like, in terms of at least scoring, but I, it's just that Carmelo never focused on anything else. And then eventually he just wanted his money.
1: Yeah, and I think part of it is also, like, Tatum is a little bit humble. Like, he, he wants to get better. And I think Carmelo always felt like, and I think that's part of him ending up in Denver and getting the keys in the first first day to the whole franchise is that he never felt accountable. And that, that's what I'm saying by building bad habits for some of these young guys is, you know, the habits you build when you're a first, second, third, maybe fourth year guy before you get your first big contract, like those are, those are the habits that are going to continue on forever. It's hard to break those habits once you're in the NBA.
0: Exactly. Um... And then, speaking of Tatum, right, so the guy he was traded for, we were just talking about this, uh, Markel Fultz. I think this is one of those deals that would go in down in history, unless Fultz has, like, a major turnaround. As one of those deals that's changed, like, the course of two franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, how about how the way the Philly crowd, like, treats Fultz? It's, like, so hard to watch.
1: I, I can't tell if it's more embarrassing for Fultz or if he appreciates it, because, like, it almost feels like it's sarcastic that when they he makes a shot. Like, I know... The city is trying to support him and you know I, I live in Philadelphia now and like I understand that the city is like crazy about their sports like I don't think they're mocking him but like if I was on the court and I was a NBA player a, you know a, a top prospect coming out of college a guy who got traded for on draft day or prior to draft day but really just so they could acquire him first overall and then you have this awful first season both because of injuries or, or confidence or whatever and then you have your coaching staff babying you by being like, "Oh, we'll let you start in the first half, just so we can, you know, take care of your mental health." And then in the second half, we'll put the real starter in, in JJ Redick. And then the fans who are going out and like cheering anytime he freaking dribbles the ball for God's sakes, like this. It's a, like if I were him, I would be embarrassed that I'm being babied. Like I know he's young, and I know he probably has a lot of growth to do, and I, I believe that he can he can be a great player. I think that all of these things are just going to make it harder for him in terms of his in terms of his confidence. Like I think being cheered for after making like one three-pointer last night or like a two-pointer a dribble down two-pointer in the first game like and being like cheered for that hard. I think those are like those are embarrassing qualities.
0: Yeah, it's just one of the weirdest situations I've ever seen. Like a guy like this guy's in the NBA. Like he was the number 1 prospect. Like that that means something. Like you don't just get to there. And then for him to, like, just lose his confidence, like, completely, combined with he, I mean, he did say he did have, like, an injury also. It wasn't just, like, a confidence issue, but I've just never seen something like this. Like, this guy is, like, the 76ers thought, like, and I'm sure other teams would have done it, too. Like, they traded up to get him because they thought this was, like, the real deal. Like, like he's going to be a franchise uh, player for, like, the rest of his career. And it's just sad what's happened. I mean, I hope he can turn it around.
1: Yeah, and like you look on the flip side, and you see Ben Simmons, who hasn't had a greatest start to this this year, who's also you know a like, quote unquote second year player now. I mean, but
0: don't tell Donovan b- Mitchell that.
1: <laughs> don't tell. Yeah, unfortunately for Donovan Mitchell, who should, who in my opinion should have gotten Rookie of the Year, but whatever, bygones be bygones. I mean, Ben Simmons is. I think Ben Simmons is being hurt by having Markel Folks on the court because he's they're not. You already got Joel Embiid, who's in the paint. Ben Simmons relies on spacing. And now you got another guy on the court who can't shoot, so their his defender just sags off of him, and is pretty much playing like a free safety.
0: Yeah, I, what, what do you think? I mean, I just thought of this off the top of my head. Like, do you almost think it's best for like the 76ers to like just trade away Fultz for like a guy like Jimmy Butler? Don't you think it would be better for both sides? Like, Jimmy would complement the Sixers because they need that wing, and then Fultz just can go to Minnesota. I mean, I don't know if Tibbs would be the best coach for him, but it seems like he almost needs a fresh start already, even though it's his second year.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I you know, I wonder what, what happened in the offseason because they, because um, when Kawhi was on the market, they wanted folks. So both franchises see something in him or have like have seen something in him. And I, I wonder if there's something that Philadelphia is seeing maybe... You know in their private workout sessions or in practice that we're not getting to see for this guy because they have a huge vote of confidence but like imagine if this team had acquired you know had had given up whoever essentially besides simmons and Embiid, and had been able to get back kawhi leonard like we we wouldn't be arguing about who well, maybe just the Celtics, but we wouldn't be arguing that the 76ers are legitimate contenders from the Eastern Conference. And if they had gotten quiet they, they would have been, you know, legitimate NBA finals, like championship contenders.
0: Yeah, I mean, that if, uh, if you're looking at this team, it's that, that that's pretty much what they need. They have Simmons, just like, they don't need a point guard if you have Simmons, and beat control to the middle. And they have like these shooters like Redick and Covington. And then if you put Kawhi there, like, I think that's what they were hoping. They'd probably get Paul George or like LeBron was like a, a fairy tale dream for them. But I think Paul George they thought was a realistic chance. But I think if this was, if they see Fultz, if this is what he is now, and I wonder if, he, if they could rewind time, if they would have done that trade where they would have sent Fultz out for Kawhi. But we'll see. I mean, maybe they'll, if this is what it is, maybe they'll do it for Jimmy. I don't know.
1: And, you know, maybe this is who this like maybe the Sixers are who we thought they were going to be meaning like they were they were way ahead of schedule last year like they definitely overperformed they had a great run going into the playoffs like maybe this maybe everyone just needs to calm down with the Sixers grow as a team and maybe that's what the the franchise wants like maybe that that's how that's that's what they're doing now is just we're not here for this year you know we're not here for next year but when Simmons and Embiid are finally into their own and we can acquire some other talents By attracting them to to us Through free agency Maybe that's what they're waiting for And we're just rushing them Into saying like Oh they're the Eastern Conference team to beat
0: Exactly Um, I think just one other guy I wanted to touch up on Is uh, Zach Collins When I was I I was watching the Lakers game last night For LeBron's debut And then (laughs) Unfortunately Two guys that ruined it Nick Stauskas And Zach Collins (laughs) Not Lillard and McCollum But Stauskas and uh, Zach Collins Nurkic went out of the game with foul trouble, and I was like, alright, this is good, like, because the Lakers don't have that much size. And then Collins came in, and dude was a monster. I think, same thing, like, another second-year player last year didn't get that much time. They seem to have, like, developed him pretty well up there in Portland. Just comes in as a... And he's, like, blocking all these shots. He's, like, great around the rim on offense. And he just seems like a perfect complementary big because he could also make threes So like, Lillard, Lillard and uh, McCollum. I was like, wow, like... I mean, Portland actually traded up for him. Because thank God, dude, can you imagine this? He was actually originally drafted by Sacramento. The pick was uh, from Sacramento. Uh, or sorry, he was, yeah, originally drafted by the Kings. And then traded the Blazers traded up to get him. And I'm so, I think he's probably so happy he's not on the Kings.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this guy, I think showed flashes last year. I mean, I think people were buzzing that a second-year person that's probably going to take a big leap was going to be him. And it's nice seeing him kind of benefit from that he's already he's got the talent he's he works really hard and i think i i think it's it's gonna be sooner rather than later where i think he's probably gonna end up in the starting lineup because he deserves it he deserves it because he i mean he's out there and he, he looks like he's the hungriest man on the court which is like for a second year guy and with his talent i think that that's that's what he needs to do right like he needs to be the hungriest guy on the court and if he could do that game in and game out. I mean, you you can't you can't teach hunger.
0: Exactly. I mean, his it's just like wow. I mean, yeah, like I'm just at a loss for words. I didn't think he was that good. But the crazy part now is that the Blazers signed Nurkic to that contract extension in the offseason, 4 years, 48 million dollars. And now like Collins already seems like a better fit, but they're stuck with that Nurkic contract for 4 years, so it's just funny how things work out sometimes. Like, they didn't think columns would be this good. They thought it, they needed Nurkic. But I feel like now they're probably like, damn, we could have used that $48 million like somewhere else and, and maybe get another shooter instead of spending it on Nurkic.
1: Yeah, I mean, but th- that's not a horrible contract. I feel like Nurkic does have the talent to probably afford and that a, somewhere and it, in the league. Exactly.
0: I think it's definitely a tradable contract. Like, if it's only $12 million per year, especially next summer when a lot of these contracts come off the books, I'm sure if the Blazers did want to trade him, they could.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, One other guy I want to talk about before we wrap up is uh, a guy we we talked a lot about when when he was playing, but Malik Monk. We were talking about guys who had really quiet rookie years. Um, I think he's ready for, he's ready. His shooting looks much better. His defense looks much better. I mean, I think this guy's ready for an explosion. He was a guy that I wanted the Knicks to get last year instead of Uh, Nilekina. I think he's finally coming into his own.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was making all these threes, and it almost reminded me of, like, the Kentucky days where he looked so good. And last year, we didn't see any of that. Um, maybe, who who knows? Like, they changed their coach this offseason. They got Steve Clifford, went to Orlando. They hired the guy, uh, James Panego from uh, Spurs. And, you know, that's sometimes pretty much what it takes. Maybe Clifford didn't believe in him as much. A new coach comes in, probably instilled that confidence in him again. And he looked, like, perfect. Like great like complimentary to Kemba especially with when he drives like now he has he seems like he has a nice spot up shooter and uh, monk
1: yeah I'm, I'm looking for, I mean I don't think the the Hornets are going to make that much noise this year but I'm looking forward to seeing the development because I think Kemba is a free agent this offseason right
0: uh yeah and he I think he's already shown a lot of love to Charlotte probably to get that max contract
1: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, th- that's going to be the question that's going to come down, you know, is, is Charlotte, does Charlotte think that Kemba is going to be able to take them where they need to be or are they going to let him walk and just kind of go into the rebuild? And I think if Monk has a really great year, uh, it might it might convince them to, if, if he has a great year and they still don't do well in terms of getting into the playoffs or getting far into the playoffs, which I don't expect them to do, I think it might make them re- reconsider whether they want to give Kemba all that money or start building around Monk.
0: Exactly. Especially now that you're still, like, straddled with that uh, Nick Batum contract. <laughs> oh, disaster. Another disaster in 2016. Man. Five years, to 120 for Nick Batum.
1: <laughs> even, though, even though I really like Nick Batum. But not uh, for that one When he was playing. God, disaster. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah. Anyone else you want to touch up or you want to wrap this podcast up?
1: You know been it's been a good few days of basketball so far i'm kind of excited to see where these rookies and second year players go but you know the future for the nba is bright and i'm kind of happy that we get to watch all these young guys kind of getting into their own and is it just me or does it feel like young guys are getting a lot more minutes now than maybe 10 years ago i feel like 10 years ago was very much like an nfl mentality where it's like you're gonna sit on the bench and you're gonna play a couple minutes a game until you earn it but now i feel like a lot of these young guys are just coming in playing lots of minutes and you're getting to see them develop in front of your eyes
0: yeah i I think that's that's just where the league is trending whether people think that's a good or bad thing with the way the contracts are set up for like these players they're they're getting paid so much now i think teams just realize they can't you can only have two or three of those max contracts and then you just have to hit on some of these young guys to build around your team you can't have everyone on like uh like a max contract or their second contract like you need some you got to hit on some of these guys on their rookie deals
1: Yeah, it makes it much more exciting for us as viewers because we watch them in college. We see them getting to the NBA and we don't have to wait two to three years before they finally get any time on the court. You get to see their mistakes. You get to see their maturity. And I think the biggest difference is like you get to see which guys were really, truly NBA ready and which guys were, you know, just college players who weren't ready. The one last thing I do want to talk about is I want to get your impressions on the, I don't know if you read about it, but the G League is now offering like an alternative uh, avenue for players that don't want to go to college. Like I think it's 125 k for the one year. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think players are going to be more likely to take that or like what players do you think would be likely to take that?
0: Um, so, I mean, this is going to sound kind of cynical, but I think the guys who will do that are the ones who are not getting paid in college already. Um, yeah. Right, right? I mean, we everyone's we all know like these guys in college are definitely getting paid like it's it's just what it is like no one it's it's just that some people have been caught the others haven't i think the ones who are going to take this route are the ones who are not going to get paid uh, in college like they're not maybe the top prospect that you know someone's going to pay them to come play for their school and then they'll be like all right let's go to the g league because it's one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, which is a, a lot of money for people like don't if you're not for an 18 year old and especially for a lot of these players who don't come from the greatest uh like in terms of financial situation their families
1: yeah i think the greatest thing is going to be it's going to stop players who would have already not gone to college and stop them from going abroad um, and playing in one of those abroad leagues where you know they're in the they don't know the culture for lack of a better word the 2K version of like you know my my player mode in the most recent <laughs> yeah. LeBron 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 edition um, where you just go and you don't know anyone and you just feel out of place at least these players can stay in the United States can go to a diff- it'll, it'll be a different town it'll probably be isolating because you're not you're going from you know games in high school that are there's a lot of people there there's a lot of support there's a lot of scouts and stuff to these um g league games which are probably much less in attendance the other thing that i was thinking about is, besides the money i feel like a lot of these players are they, they want the fame and i feel like the g league isn't unless the g league continues to grow yeah i feel like the g league isn't that it, it's not that glamorous you know you're taking you're taking not you're not ta- you're not taking private jets to all of your games <laughs> exactly. you know you're not on espn prob- every game exactly unless you're doing something crazy or big and like these guys they're just gonna i think they'll end up going to college and sacrificing that one year's worth of money um so that they can get you know go to duke and have their games being sold out they can go to kentucky they can go to kansas they can go to all these big 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 division big big uh, high roller ncaa teams Uh, and i think it's a good first step from the nba but i think the ultimate way to make these players avoid um you know like giving them an avenue to not go to go to college is going to be getting rid of that age limitation that they have
0: yeah like like a team like Duke, they play every game on national tv they have their own private jet and let's be honest they're probably getting paid so it just doesn't seem like the greatest alternative to go to the g league and like someone like zion Williamson, said like there's already been like all these allegations and i'm sure they're true like how you get like he asked for money and like it's like a very open thing. It's just that they don't have like concrete evidence to like um, file against him. But I'm sure like one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. That's equivalent to what he got paid, or if not a little bit less. But he's a dude. He's gonna enjoy this one year. He's not really gonna go to like I mean take like classes or school really seriously. And next year he's gonna be in the NBA and, and he's gonna be a millionaire.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think if they wanna, if they, if the NBA wants to con- continue promoting people's education, then they gotta do like football, where you gotta be there for a couple of years, at least three years, um, yeah, at least three years, where like essentially, if they continue school, like you know, over the summers, they could probably get their degree while they're in while they're in the NBA um, instead of just one year, because I don't think one year really affords them anything besides one year of deferred income.
0: Exactly. Yeah, one year doesn't make sense. I guess. I mean, the only thing is, they could. I'm sure these schools would take them back if they ever wanted to come back and finish their degree but they're, if they're only there for a year they're not going to take it seriously
1: yeah I agree
0: but yeah alright man it was nice talking about the NBA now that it's finally back
1: the, the best time in sports right now right? all four sports are going on yeah
0: yesterday there was like a, I think it was one of the few days in the year where all four leagues major leagues had, like, had a game going although the, the Cardinals Broncos game was terrible <laughs>
1: not for the Broncos <laughs>
0: oh yeah that's true that is true
1: <laughs> alright man
0: it was good talking to you yes
1: next time right, see ya